you want somebody to do to you, do it to them. The golden rule is not whoever has the gold rules. Is to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If we actually live by that, you know there are corporations that have committed to live like that. Corporations, they call them golden rule corporations. They say above everything we do in our corporation, we're going to practice this. And you know they're very prosperous companies. And they're Bible principles to live by. And they're his commands to us, but they're not hard to keep. Everybody can keep them. So this morning, I'm, I'm talking uh, and carrying through with Pastor Rob's beginning last week on prayer. And uh, I want us to look at a few passages this morning. Go with me to Matthew chapter 6, a key, key passage taught by the Lord Jesus himself. You know, it's always kind of intimidating to go to a passage where Jesus taught and try to do it. Think about it. I'm going to teach <laughs> something about what Jesus taught. I'm going to try to amplify perhaps, but he's the master teacher. And these are his words. Don't you love it when you have that red letter Bible and they're all red? I want to start specifically on Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, not verse 5. Okay, quick glance at 5. Say, okay, I'm not going to read that. Look at 6. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Therefore, don't be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. <clears throat> in this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Just a quick note, I find it interesting that in this, as Jesus is teaching, there are so many things that we have over the years elaborated on the Lord, what we call the Lord's Prayer. We've elaborated on all the points, but Jesus only elaborated on the issue of forgiveness. I, I just think that must be significant, right? And that there's a key here about forgiving one another, loving one another, and practicing like Christ does, the releasing of people in our hearts and in our minds. I'm not going to park there. I just think it's a good thing to point out that Jesus takes two additional verses or additional comments in his instruction to the disciples there on this, in the Sermon on the Mount to say, don't forget about this. Forgiving other people is so powerful. Have you ever had gone, gone through forgiving someone? A really difficult situation. And didn't you find that after you forgave them, you yourself were set free? This is a real key to living a life, a long life, with peace. It's not holding grudges, you know. We don't bury the hatchet with the handle sticking out so we can grab it out later, right? We forgive, we release. At Colossians, Paul teaches us in Colossians, says you should learn to forgive others in the same way Christ has forgiven you. 
well, there's a benchmark. <laughs> how, how much has he forgiven me? I was rejoicing in the worship time this morning, the singing, and thanking God for all the forgiveness I've received throughout my life. And even as, as recent as this week, again, needing his grace and forgiveness in my life, and how he just dispenses it and says, yes, right? And he forgives and he releases and sets free and says, now live. Live. Live to the full. When you pray is a significant phrase. We've gone over it before. That it's specific. Jesus did not say, if you pray. Right? He said, when you pray. What are we doing this morning? We're talking about the commands of the Lord so that we can have a long life of peace. This is one of them. When you pray, he's assuming. He's telling it to us as a, as a fact. You will be praying, won't you? Now, don't come under condemnation just yet. <laughs> don't let the enemy trap you in that one. Say, well, you don't pray as much as you should. And, you know, what happened to that one-hour prayer thing you promised last January? And you, here we go down the list. Let's, let's be released from that this morning, okay? Can we be under his grace and his mercy and hear Jesus say to us, when you pray, it's like an invitation. Come on, when you pray, don't be like this. Don't just babble on and on thinking you're going to get hurt because you got a lot of words. Don't use vain repetitions. The heathen do that. They just over and over and over and over and over. They're kind of stuck. But just come to your Father and pray this first. Pray that He be honored and worshipped. Hallowed is your name. You're the Holy God. And then pray for His kingdom to come. Pray for His will to be done. Where His kingdom reign is in our hearts and in the place where we're dwelling. Uh, there's going to be peace and there's going to be security and there's going to be prosperity and there's going to be provision if his kingdom is in place. If he's the king and he's seated on the throne of our hearts and we say, kingdom of God, come, rule in me. Be the king. I, I prayed that prayer in the last 30 days. So, Lord, I, I ask your forgiveness for putting myself back on the throne of my heart. For this thing or this period of time, I've been trying to rule myself. And it's not working out well. And so I dethrone myself this morning. Jesus, Heavenly Father, come sit on the throne of my life. Be the king. Let me come under you, your kingdom. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done, not mine. Let it be done on earth as it is being done in heaven. Let us be in agreement in the two places. Let it happen here just as it happens there. When you pray... Is an assumption, but isn't it beautiful that he doesn't leave us with wondering how to? He says, when you pray, this is how to. One of the points here that we would not want to miss says, when you when you pray, go into your closet. Do you have a prayer closet? Anybody have a prayer closet? You're gonna see some wrinkly faces like not, not really. I have a kitchen table. I have a bedroom. I have a... Well, it's that place, isn't it? It's not, we don't have to build a little box to take out all our clothes in that one closet. <laughs> sliding glass doors and hide inside the closet. We could. I mean, we could take it very literally and do it that way. It wouldn't hurt us. But nonetheless, when you pray, do it like this. Go spend time alone. Come on, I, I'm, I'm going to turn around this way to hear the message now because... We're kind of, you know, listen to the guy in front. I'm, I need to hear him today. I'm a busy guy. Anybody else busy? 
You know what busy stands for? It's an acronym. Being under Satan's yoke. (laughs) I just get busy. And I run off and, you know, I think I have a cape on the back and leotards and I'm going to go and (laughs) fix the world today. And and, uh, really, Lord, you know me, so back me up on this one. And I'm going to fly into the future and fix things without him. And throw up these little prayers along the way. Help, 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 help. And he's so gracious, he does. But I, I, as, as a father myself, I, I don't know I'd want my kids to act like that. Because, hey, Dad, just run off and help, help. And we just chase them around all day, help, helping them. I'd say, let's sit down and talk about the day first. Let's discuss, where's your life going? And, and how much of my strength and help will you need today? And how can we commit together that that will be available to you at the moment you need it? I'll be there. Let's discuss it. And then then I'll pat you on the little hiney and off you go to your day. <laughs> and let's see how much you can get done. I'll be right behind you the whole time. I see a heavenly father acting way better than I could, beyond what I could imagine. And yet I can imagine this. And so he's saying, come away for a moment. We see the example of Jesus, the master teacher and the master example, always slipping off by himself to pray. Uh, before he chose his disciples, he went up into a mountain, spent the whole night just talking to the Father, saying, I'm going to go down tomorrow. There's a big crowd of guys down there, and we got to pick out these guys. He gave them the names, specifically. Go down, he just went and picked these guys by name. They knew them personally. But he spent the time with the Father first before he made those key decisions about the future of his ministry and the future of the kingdom of God. Well, it's still, just simply, we could say, shouldn't we do similarly? Didn't we stop long enough to include him in our conversations and say, Lord, um, where is this going to go today? Be in the closet. When you do that, the Bible says Jesus teaches in the secret place your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. You know it's okay to be rewarded by God. Uh, we don't demand things of him very often. We don't say, Lord, you have to give me this and this and this. And we're going to come to that in a moment. But... He is, in one of our verses later, Hebrews 11:6. he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He rewards us. Right in the here and now, and there's others coming, right? We're storing up in heaven rewards there as well. But there are rewards that he grants to us here when he sees us in secret with himself. Am I putting you to sleep? I'm feeling kind of, kind of mellow today. I don't know, should I amp this up? Should I get... Could I could rev it up? No. I'm going to, st- I'm going to stay mellow. Let's go to Luke, please. Chapter 18. So he says, when you pray, he says, when you do, pray like this. And let's get a couple more of his teachings, examples about prayer. Find two very key ingredients for our time with the Father. Luke 18 says, Then he spoke a parable to them that men ought always ought to pray and not lose heart. Saying, There was in a certain city a judge who didn't fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I don't fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, 
I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect, who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Praying and faith go together. You have to have faith to pray. You have to believe in a spiritual dimension that you can't see. You have to believe in a living Heavenly Father, God, who's in control of everything and wants to respond in direct response to your praying. It takes faith to believe that. And it's faith well put because He is there. He does want to answer. And He's told us all these. Jesus said it's the Father's good pleasure just to give you the kingdom. But the question remains when he comes, and that is when he returns, or maybe even when he comes to our celebration on a weekend like this or into a cell group where we meet, will he find faith? Or will he find this overrunning of doubt and wonder and and dissatisfaction? Or will he find faith in us that cries out and says, No, I believe he's hearing my prayer. How do I know? Because I spent time in the closet there this morning with him, and he gave me that assurance. He gave me specifics when I came out of there that I knew I could trust him with. And I'm looking for him to unfold those things today or tomorrow or in his timing. But I have life and I have peace because I'm following his commands when I pray. Here we find a key ingredient demonstrated by Christ about prayer. Listen to the unjust judge. Even though he didn't want to, he gave the answer. The Father wants to do it even more readily for us. Why? Because there's persistence. Jesus taught, ask and you receive. And the, the tenses of the writing or the, the words that Jesus used was, ask and keep on asking. He said, knock. He didn't say knock once and the answer will come. It's more like coming to my house. <laughs> you knock on this door, I don't come. You go to the other door, you knock on that door, and I'm running over there. Finally, I come out one door to find out which door you're at. <clears throat> Happens to the UPS guy all the time. I hear knock, knock, and by the time I get there, he's over at the other one. So I just come outside and walk around and say, I'm over here. <laughs> but he said, knock and keep on knocking until the answer comes. Seek and you'll find. Seek and keep on seeking. It's not vain repetition, but it's saying, Lord, I'm counting on the answer to come. I'm I've I've mentioned this to you. You gave me your assurance. I just want to tell you I'm still in agreement with you and I'm looking forward to it coming to pass. Some of us have received prophetic words from God that we're still waiting to hear come true. We've heard prophecies over the church in this community of how that God will do certain things to make his name known in our town, in our valley, by his own presence, by his own activity. And we didn't say God tell us that. He just decided to. And so he spoke to us prophetically. And what we do when we, even last night, we got together at a prayer meeting. If there's a point in our prayer meeting, we say, Lord, we're, we're lifting these things up to you, reminding you that we're in agreement with your word to come to pass for our community. That your name will be made great and many will come to salvation. We're just praying in agreement for your kingdom to come and your will to be done. You've disclosed this, this word to us prophetically and you also confirm it to us in your general revelation by the word of God. So we're in agreement with you, Father. And we're praying together that your will be done. That's a great prayer. That's a prayer of agreement with God himself. 
So he's teaching us here in Luke 18, persistence. Uh, I learned a word in the, in some of you have a Thompson Chain Reference Bible. If you look over in the column next to it, the index, it'll say importunity. I had no idea what that word meant. But there it was, and so I looked it up, and it's, you know, just stick-to-itiveness. It's that persistence. It's kind of like being the pit bull and locking on and uh, not letting go. We don't have to be gory here, but I had a friend that used to raise pit bulls for that reason, you know, for boar hunting and uh, down in the south. And they got lockjaw problems. <laughs> I mean, they just grab on. They will not let go. Sometimes God's been called the pit bull of heaven. Right? He, when he gets after you, he's kind of like the pit bull of heaven. He just locks on. He's not going to let go. He's going to follow you everywhere. Let's continue in verse 9. Then he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves. Ouch. Does yours say ouch? <laughs> and he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, who's speaking? Jesus is talking. This is important stuff. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Two key ingredients for our relationship with the Father, I believe, and I think we can move this out into our own relationships with others. One is persistence, staying at it, never giving up. The other one is being humble. Humility. God always promises to bless humility, doesn't he? And he says right here, this man went to his home justified. Because he was humble. Because he reckoned himself lower than. He, he repented of who he was before God, rather than telling God how great he was. These are great attitudes for how to pray when you pray. As we follow the commands of God for life and peace, when we pray, this is how we'll pray. We don't rush into the king's presence and demand things, do we? We shouldn't. You're invited into a diplomat's office. You come in there pounding on his desk right away asking for things. Some might, but they would probably go away unjustified or unfulfilled in their requests. Wouldn't it make more sense to go in with a humble attitude saying, well, you're the one in power and I'm not and I'm here to make a request. You might just go out with what you needed, wouldn't you? And it works in relationship with God. It works in relationship to people. Let's go to Hebrews 11. I want us to see that. I mentioned it already. Well, can we, can we go there just a second? I'm sorry. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4. I'd really like to do this first. And you're so kind. Because no one ever says no. <clears throat> go to Hebrews. What are you talking about? You said Hebrews. I'm going to Hebrews. I'll catch up with you later. Philippians chapter 4. And I'm, I'm going to try and demonstrate this, so bear with me. This is an illustration in the moment. Okay? Um, Jaden, this, could you help me? 
Megan Ward, her, her new Bible she got for Christmas. I'm concerned. I'm not really kind of concerned about how it's going in Kids Zone. I don't. I don't know who's on in Kids Zone today. She doesn't have her Bible. Um, could Could you check on Kids Zone for me and see how it's going over there? And you would say, "Here, stand up here. Play with me." <laughs> what would you say? Sure. Sure. You can do that. Okay. We take that to Megan. And as he begins to go off, I say, "No, wait. Just say." You know, I'm a little more than concerned about kids. I'm actually highly concerned about this little girl. Do you know Megan? You know, or you'll have to find her who she is. What I would like for you to do when you get there is to make sure she gets her Bible. Okay? Okay. All right. And, and besides that, <laughs> I'm sorry, but um, she's really a loving little, she's a little blonde, and uh, she's just so tender all the time. She's really, she really is an open little girl. And uh, I was praying for her. She hugged me here this morning. She probably could use a hug from you. Would you hug her for me? Sure. And say, this is from Pastor Jeff. Yeah. You can do that. I can do that. Okay. All right. Hey, Jeannie. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I just want to say thanks. And I feel I feel a great... I feel like I can go on with the message now that I've got this, you know, off. I feel uh, peace. Thanks. <laughs> Okay. And <laughs> don't be gone long. That's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. To be anxious, now I think is the word, not that we need to memorize that or anything, but it means to have a preoccupation, have a split mind, a divided thinking, a, a preoccupation that's actually kind of keeping you from moving on. And so Paul the Apostle saying in the Philippians, I'm telling you, don't be that way about anything. This isn't a, a simple request he's making or a suggestion. He knew the Philippians were always highly concerned people. This is their style. They were kind of not worry warts, but they were kind of amplified in the area of attentiveness. In fact, the Philippians are the ones that sent support to Paul and helped him in his ministry as he began to spread the gospel. He talks about them being the only church that ever helped him in the ministry of giving and receiving. And so they were real preoccupied about things. Paul's saying, listen, don't have a split mind over anything. Don't be anxious about everything. Okay? And what I was trying to illustrate here is that I had a little bit of an anxiousness about the kids' zone. It didn't really exist, by the way. I'm highly confident what's happening. It was an illustration. Okay. Thanks for delivering. Did you give her a hug? He did. So I, I, don't you feel better even now? I feel better. She's a hugger, that one. She's a, she's a, she's a lover. But in everything by prayer. Prayer is this big long word in the Greek and, and it's kind of a, a progressive word. I split it out here. It means to ask something of of someone else. At the same time, you're almost including a vow. You're saying, and if you will, I will. Okay. Um, then, it, then it expands by its verbal component, its verb component. That means that you're, you're really... Um, 
drawing out. You're making an entreaty. I need this. I need this. Okay, I want. I'm asking of you of this. And of course, the pros, the word on the front end of this Greek word, means all of this is directed to God. So I have a specific request. I want to entreat for it. I really want it to happen, but I'm going to direct that request to Him. Don't be split-minded about life and about things that are preoccupying your thinking. Rather than that, make your prayer and your supplication in the direction of God. Um, Supplication is a different word that means to you're going at something to get a personal need met. You want a personal need met. You're not praying for someone else. Now you're supplicating. You want something for yourself. Now maybe you want something for someone else. That's fine. But I was trying to illustrate with Jaden and say, this is my anxious thought. I'm concerned about kids. Could you go check? Yeah. But before he got gone, I pulled him back and said, well, I'm a little more specific. There's a girl over there. This is her Bible. Could you give it to her? Specifically now, I'm getting a little narrowed. Not just the whole group, but just this one. Uh, could you look after her specifically? Sure. Before, well, I still, I'm still a little preoccupied. I think she needs a hug, and I'd like to give her that. Could you do that for me? This is the word supplication in the Greek. What it means is to keep unloading the request. It means actually to talk a long time. <laughs> and, 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 until finally you're out of ands. Does this make sense? Lord, I, I'm concerned about this. Oh, and beyond that, it's more than that. It's, and then there's this detail I'm really concerned about. I, I don't think I can get a non-preoccupied mind until I tell you all of this. And I go until I'm empty. And at the point of my emptiness, it just means that I know I've handed the whole thing over to God. Now he's got it all. I haven't kept anything back. I don't have anything left to worry about or to be preoccupied about. And if I do, then I need to talk to him further. That's supplication. It's a continuing to unload, to keep talking. Ladies, come on, you relate to this. You do. I know. <laughs> That's an accusation. Right? Why are laughter, you know, they say laughter is directly related to guilt level. <laughs> No, come on. They, they, you can unload and unload and unload and unload. And, and right when we think you're done, you're not. Uh, guys, we have to train for that event. We have to train for the event. You know, you always keep saying to yourself, she's not done yet. She's not done yet. Until you see that peace come over mine. She knows she's given it all to you. And then at that point, you still want to ask, is there anything else? Because there might be just one more. And you want to get it all. And that's, we're in the position of, the, of God at that moment, in that supplication. We're hearing the request, hearing the request, hearing the request, and he never gets tired. That's amazing. He doesn't bore out with us. He's just, bring it on. I'm big enough. I've got shoulders like you can't believe. Is there, is, there, is there another detail? Is there another infinitesimal kind of thing you want to say about this? Because I can handle that too. There's nothing too big or too little for me. Keep it coming. Supplication. Prayers directing that request to God. Supplication is unloading the whole thing. Just we should feel so comfortable with him as our Heavenly Father to talk until we're done. You can't outlast him, right? He's eternal. He can be everywhere at once, listening to 
whatever it is now, seven and a half billion prayers, if everybody was to pray at once on the planet, he could still field them all and have patience to last out anybody and has the ability then to answer the prayer. He's waiting for you to get it off your shoulders by supplication. And what's the next phrase? With thanksgiving. right? Because there comes that moment when you go, hey, I don't have it now. It's in his hands. And as Jaden was leaving, I simply said, hey, Jaden, thanks for helping me with my load and carrying my burden away. And off he went. See the illustration? It was kind of crude. It was in, in the moment, but it worked for me. Because that's, now that's like my, my interaction with, with the Father. When you pray, this is how to pray. This is a way of praying. And that's what I wanted to cover this morning, is making, finding a way to actually keep the command of when you pray. You can pray according to the Lord's Prayer and pray His kingdom come. You can be very specific about points along the way as you're praying, of course. But in, when you get into this moment where you realize you're anxious, are you anxious about anything? Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. Because in everything, in everything, just let your prayer be made to him. And supplicate until it's all over on his shoulders. Until you know he has it all. And then give thanks. And thanksgiving is such a powerful attitude in life, isn't it? The attitude of gratitude, we like to call it. There's something about people who have that attitude. They're just more pleasant to be around. And that should be us. We should be able to interact with people all day long saying, you know, I'm, I'm okay because the Father's got all the details in His hands. You know, I'm just skipping along singing, He's got the whole world in His hands. He's got, you know, every little detail that I could unload, He took until I didn't have any left. And so I'm thanking him. I'm thanking him because it takes faith to believe that those things are going to get taken care of and I don't have to do them. I don't have to manage them. I don't have to watch over them. He's going to do those things. He's able to stay up all night if he has to and worry for me. So I may as well rest. He gives his beloved rest. Why? Because he carries our load. It seems so backwards, doesn't it? He's God. He shouldn't be serving us, but he's chosen to do it this way. And so we work in compliance with his will. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is what we're after. Remember Proverbs? You'll keep his commands, glad days to your life, and peace. This peace is peace that is not really understandable. You shouldn't be at peace. Everyone around you say you shouldn't be at peace. It's not that you look and you go, Man, what they're going through, they should not have any peace. But if you're the one that has just given all your prayer and supplication, it's all over on him, and you're thanking him for the results, and you're thanking him that you don't have to carry the load because you're unable to, and by his grace he's going to carry it for you, then his peace comes and rests. In fact, the word here, it says, will guard your minds. See a little guard. I don't know what kind of guard you want to depict, but a little soldier. He's got his gun there and his belt on and all his stuff hanging off of him. Of course, nowadays he's got helmets, things you can see. You know, you see those guys, I wonder how they walk with all that stuff on. Let alone run. But they 
he says, he's going to put that guy in front of your mind. He's going to put that guy in front of your heart. And they're going to stand at the doorway of your mind and your heart and guard and make duty and not let anything in that would take away your peace. That's what that word says. And the peace of God will become the little soldier in front of your mind. It says, when the anxious, he sees the anxious things coming, he goes, not in this place. Mm-mm. You're not getting in here. He doesn't say that over my dead body thing because he's not going to die over the deal. He's saying, I'm staying here until you are refused entry. You will not get in here any longer. This person is living in, under the unsurpassed and non-understandable peace of God right now. You can't disturb them. Nice. This is the word of God. Will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. This is not available to everyone. It's only available to those whose faith and trust is in Christ. Isn't that true? Salvation, forgiveness of sins, a living in peace. It's not what the world has. That's why we're supposed to be constantly letting them know that it's available. Because we know so many people who are not at peace. We know so many people who are lost in sin, as we have been. And they need to be released and walk into this life and go, Wow, this is real life. I thought I was living before, but this is real. I'm in his peace. Now we'll find that Hebrews. Chapter 11. Of course, and I'll start at the first verse just because I like these two. It's not the ones I want to focus on, but I like them. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith has to have an object. That object is God himself. And when we put our faith in him and we diligently seek him and that I think part of our diligence is again Luke chapter 18 about being diligent persistent widow and coming in humility as we're coming we're asking we're seeking we're knocking we're, we're supplicating we're handing it all over to him in that moment we're saying I just believe that God is able to do these things I do have faith and I do trust him and I know this he's going to reward me too I don't deserve it but he's going to do it There are rewards coming from him. There is this peace that passes understanding. If that was the only reward, that's enough. If it was simply the forgiveness of my sins and the promise of going to heaven forever, that's enough. I wouldn't need anything more. But God's way beyond that. He says, no, I've got way more than that. I want to reward you for your faith. I want to walk with you. I want to be in relationship with you. We're going to take care of this stuff. And and I'll share this this picture. We used to have a platform in here, and I, I shared this before we were... I was, we were in a service and, and I had all these things, just prayers, 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 requests, things. And it was like I had them all on slips of paper and I had this stack of requests for God. And his throne was right here on this front corner of the platform for me in that moment. And I could visualize that. And so I, I, I humbled myself and I kind of came across the floor and I, I set them all right there at the fa- of, of his feet, right by his feet. And I turned, and as just as I was starting to turn to leave, it was like these flashes of light came from every direction, they, and they represented angels. 
And they were like, and as they came by, they were just taking these pieces of paper and leaving with them. Just as fast as you could even think. You know, faster than Google Chrome. You know what I mean? Okay. And anyway, so uh, as I was going to leave, I was amazed by this moment. It was just like, and they were gone. And these angels who are the messengers of those servants to those who are the heirs of salvation, the Bible says, they were off doing the bidding of God to answer. He says, we've taken took care of all those. I thought, wow, that's amazing. Just that quick. And I, and I want to say thanks, but I was kind of slipping away and wasn't going to trouble him. And he said to me, and I, if I cry, you'll bear with me, because he said, where are you going? See, I'd only come to drop off my requests. He said, I can take care of those in a heartbeat. What I want you to stick around. Can you stay a while? And I thought, the God of heaven... The God of creation and of all the universe is asking me to stay. That was pretty compelling. And he said, the, the, the stuff is no problem. That's, I got angels. I got the I can do that. Stack them up all day. I can do it. But would you stay? It would be nice to spend some time with you. I think I shared this before. I, I'm keeping it in my Bible. It's probably not something to be proud of. But... Here I have a list of scriptures that I wrote down back in June of last year. But at the top of this page, I was writing down what he said to me. He said, I haven't been able to speak with you for weeks. Oh, the day that I was confronted by that, when the God of the universe said, I haven't been able to talk to you for a while, for weeks. And here I was just running along doing the will of God without him. And so then he gave me a list of scriptures that were very convicting. They weren't condemning at all. He was wooing me back to himself. I said, where have you been? <laughs> I walked chasing around, can't try to keep up with you. It would be nice to talk. And this is an issue in my life, or for all my Christian life. It's been a constant. God's always trying to get me to stick around. But you just quit being so busy and spend some time with me. I think we could do a lot more together <laughs> if we could get on the same page. And I say, in just a minute, I'll be right back. Come on, I'm not alone, am I? Oh, please, but let's, let's, let's do... We need His grace, don't we? God, help us with this. You're a rewarder of those who diligently seek you, not a, not a rewarder of those who diligently work real hard and do a lot of stuff. How can I retrain my mind? How can I retrain? Let's go back to Philippians chapter 4 and we'll end here. How can I do some retraining? Romans 12, 2, right? says that we should be renewed in our mind right? by the Word, right? Come to a renewed mind through the Word of God. So how can I renew and retrain my mind in this issue of prayer? And this is just... One message on prayer. My goodness, we've, I've got shelves upstairs full of books on prayer. And all of them will tell you this. I believe in every one of them there's going to be an allusion to this truth. Prayer is only learned by doing it. You can read all those books I've got. You can read the Bible back and forth. But you'll never really learn prayer until you just do it. you got to dive in. You're going to be like my dad taught me to swim. And he, he did. Out the end of the dock, and boom, off I went. I was one of those. 
I was out there with him, you know. And next thing I knew, I was in the water. And he was just looking at me. I thought, I'm learning to swim right now. This is, it worked. I always, I'm still here. But with prayer, it's just kind of the same way. The Father takes us by the hand, but he doesn't just throw us in. He jumps in with us, and we swim together. But he will teach us on the job. Verse 8, Philippians 4 says, Finally, brothers, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. What a great exchange he makes for us. To take all of our anxious thoughts and then tells us, now think on these things. I've heard this verse used lots of times. And one of the ways is that a businessman would actually print this out on a, on a stand-up card and take it with him in a suitcase. And when he was in his hotel room by himself, he would set it up in front of the television. He would see that before he would turn it on. and say, you know, what am I going to do when I'm here by myself, when I'm traveling and on the road? Uh, temptations are everywhere and uh, invitations to see what the world's doing is available they set that in front of his tele- the television in the room and say okay I'll turn this on only if it includes these things that's a pretty good standard that's a good way to retrain our thinking whatever has these components well think on those things let your mind you see the mind is where the battle starts we find that in Second Corinthians chapter 10, bringing every thought captive to Christ. The mind is the battlefield. And we need to know that out of our thinking comes our actions, right? And so if we can retrain our mind to dwell on the right things, to actually have some discipline about what we think about, where we focus, then we'll find that our, our, our character and our conduct coming from our mind, then translating through our heart and our actions will be good and, and we'll be more like Christ. Is that what you want? To be more Christ-like? Not more like somebody else, but more like Him. We can concentrate and focus on these things that are noble and pure and just and lovely. Good report. Lord, train our minds to think like this. And I would think um, at the end of that kind of discipline, our level of anxiety will be lower. Our peace level will be higher. Even if everything around us is going down, we could stand in the eye of the hurricane saying, Wow, this is spectacular. What a show. And I feel such peace because I'm in relationship with the one who's in control. Jeremiah, you know, went into captivity with Israel into Babylon after years and years of pleading with them and telling them he still got to go into captivity too, but he's probably... The only guy that had any peace. Like, well, here we go. Pack your bags. We're going to Babylon, just like I told you 40 years ago. And uh, here we go. But I'm okay because I'm in league with the one who's in control. Well, I hope this has been helpful today. And I didn't jump around and scream and yell. I don't know if I practice good hermeneutics and homiletics or not. But may he take our anxious thoughts. May we willingly surrender them to him and supplicate until they're all on him. And then we can live at peace. Maybe I should just 
there was my ending bell right there. <laughs> I need one of those every week. That was a good one. It's better than that buzzer thing. You hear about the church where they, they showed the pastor of the church and he walked in the back and said, lovely pews, everything. He says, hey, you're going to like this to watch. The guy pushes a button and all the rows went forward one. He says, you know how people never sit in the front. Uh, he says, so we waited. We waited to get in. We pushed the button and all back pew comes up and all the rest of them go forward. And the pastor said, man, I'm liking this. This is good stuff. Well, he was preaching one day and it got to be noon. And at 12.01, the pulpit began to sink into the floor. <laughs> yeah. they, they had thought of everything. <laughs> my son, don't forget my law. Let your heart... I like that heart part. It's not about just this getting up your gumption and making yourself do it. Your heart's involved. Let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace, they will add to you. Father, add to us today your life. Add to us this peace. Lord, like the disciples said to you, teach us to pray. Help us to find the regularity of that place where we meet with you. That alone time where we don't let anybody else in. That specific opportunity of building relationship with you. Teach us to pray. Teach us to find the closet. Every day, wherever it's at, when you call us to it, help us to be obedient to come to it. Father, forgive me for all the times I've run off thinking I'll be right back and never, ever made it back. I know you're willing to forgive me of that, but I do need retraining, and I ask for us as a congregation that you'll teach us to pray. Individually, corporately, in our cell groups, in our celebrations, that we will become a people of prayer. You said your house would be called a house of prayer for all nations, and may we gather in all the places we do, and that become the house of prayer. Teach us your ways. Help us walk in your path. Let your provision of grace come upon us so that we can actually get the job done, for in our own strength we fail regularly and miserably. We ask all this in the name of Jesus for his glory and his honor and for his truth to be made known in the earth. Amen. Thanks. Thanks a lot. I needed this. <laughs> hey, do what John the Apostle said. Love one another, will you? Be friendly. <laughs>